Hello, and you're listening to episode 18 of Don't Be Strangers, a series of collaborative conversations that focuses on learning how to create agency in your life and manifest deeper connections. Think Humans of New York meets casual coffee chat. If we haven't met before, I'm your host, Shinyi, and anyone of any background is welcome to apply to come on to co-host an episode. Signups for our Pen Pals Club for March is open until the 25th. Find all the information and more on our Instagram page at Don't Be Strangers. Today, we're speaking with total well-being coach and spiritual guide, Jay Mark, who I met for the very first time through this very conversation. We get really real and really deep, so I'm going to drop two gentle warnings here up front. If you feel uncomfortable with listening to swear words, you might just want to sit out on this one. We also touch on the topic of the fight against suicide. If you're on the fence after hearing those two tidbits, aka you're not sure but willing to give it a try, I'd highly encourage you to try it out because just re-listening to this episode, I was transcribing and taking all the notes from the wisdom that J-Mark was sharing with me and actually, you know what? Even if you don't listen, you should just peep the show note transcriptions. J-Mark and I get into one, J-Mark's daily morning ritual with a death mantra, two, relative versus absolute truths, three, our journey towards self-healing, the hows and whys, four, what is community care, and five, how to make the world a better place. So with all that hype, please meet J-Mark. Hello, my loves. My name is J-Mark Accento. I am a transformational life coach, uh, specifically focusing on trauma healing and a spiritual guide. Uh, My practices are rooted in Vajrayana Buddhism, although I am a bit of a theosophist, so my teachers include Sadi Simone, Deepak Chopra, and I'm very interested in integrating spirituality with science and recognizing that in the world we live in today, a bitch doesn't have to go live in a cave somewhere to become spiritual or anything like that. Like it's really about living a life of conscious intention. And yeah, I get to live my everyday life just helping people heal their trauma through different modalities and techniques. Um, First question I really have for you. So the work that I do is all about helping people connect to their authenticity. So what in life makes you feel most connected to your most authentic self? A combination of exploration. So that is through thought, exploration of thought, which is why I love having these conversations because I get to open up my own perspectives through these, through learning from other people's perspectives. Um, exploration of the physical world, which is why I'm so keen on travel and and I think just a lot of like knowledge seeking and fulfilling my curiosity, that, and then creative self-expression, which is where I typically introduce myself saying that I am a creative chimera. So yeah, it's these two things, expressing myself so that I can connect with other people. And then also just learning maybe academically something that's more in the more traditional sense, um, sitting down and studying, or in a more untraditional sense, just having casual conversations or just traveling so that I can learn from other cultures. So what does authenticity look like to you? Like that's a lot of the practical like list off stuff, honey, but the work I do is all about embodiment. So when you're embodying your authenticity, what does that look like? It feels like big kid energy. Like it feels like the unrestrained excitement without any filters. That's what it feels like. And I feel Ah, that through those things. Yeah. I love it. I'm here for it. Yes. 
<laughs> Wait, I want to turn the question back around on you since, you know, you work on this stuff. Um, and I'm sure that having talked with a lot of people on this topic that you're so passionate about, that you've really developed a more concrete concept around this topic. Yeah, I mean, it's living a life from presence, right? And exploring the world from this space of radical curiosity, kind of the adoption of the beginner's mind, or like you said, big kid energy, that's very fucking real. We have these kind of societal expectations, these cultural expectations that once you hit a certain number, you're supposed to have your shit together. Uh, you know, I'm 29 and I'm now feeling like I'm starting to get my shit together, but that has nothing to do with the number of my age. A lot of my clients are much older than me. It's a matter of really profoundly recognizing that this is an impermanent existence. So are we going to be delaying our happiness for a future date, which a lot of us fucking do? Or are we going to anchor ourselves in the present? I, I do a, a death meditation every morning. I say, I know that I may die today, and because I may die, I may only do the things that matter most to me. And may those things bring the greatest amount of happiness to as many people as possible. And so really orienting myself to like, if I die in the next five hours, if I die tomorrow, if I don't see the next week, how am I living my life in a way that makes me feel like my joy is being supported? And how are those decisions supporting the people around me? That's where authenticity lies. When we're no longer in a state of reactivity of like, I have to act this way because I am non-binary. I have to act this way because I'm a person of color. I have to act this way because I am a spouse. I have to act this way because of blah, 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 blah. It's just like, I'm making the conscious decisions to do these things because I recognize how my behaviors and actions are directly related to those around me. Right. Yeah. Okay. So jumping back to the death mantra or meditation, um, how long have you been doing that for and how did you come to this idea? And is it just sitting with what you said or is it more complicated than that? Yeah. So the death, the death mantra I got directly from my teacher, Saadi Simone, who's one of the, like, he's a world famous spiritual teacher. He was just on like Cardi B show or whatever. Like he's ridiculous. Um, love him to death. <laughs> that did not mean to make that pun. But yeah, so it's something that he says to himself every morning. And so, like I said, my practice is rooted in Buddhism. And genuinely, at the end of the day, if you want to make it really fucking simple, Buddhism is, is just orienting our minds to understanding that everything's impermanent. And when the Buddha, when the Buddha, the historical Buddha Siddhartha first started walking the path of enlightenment, they, they say that he had four sights and he saw somebody who was dying, he saw somebody who was aging, he saw somebody who was sick, and had this profound of like, what, everyone goes through this? Holy shit, how am I living my life? And so it can sound very macabre, right? It can sound very like, oh my God, you think about death every day? And I'm like, yeah, I, I, I hang out with people and I talk to them. And then after, after I leave them or after they leave, after hanging out, I say, oh, that might be the last time I'll ever see them. Because it's a way of anchoring myself to being appreciative. That's all it is at the end of the day. When I do that meditation in the morning, I'm not just thinking on it because then it can get very nihilistic and it can get very destructive. Like nothing matters. I better, I better just like, just fuck everything because I'm going to die anyway. No, it's like, wow. Yeah, I might die. So what, how do I feel in this moment? How do I honor those feelings? How ha have I made a point to connect with the people who I value in my life and let them know I love and cherish them? That's, that's more of what it is. It's a little mantra I say to start my mornings. 
to really orient myself to being present throughout my day and making that decision moment to moment because we're humans and our brains pull us out of presence all the time. And so just making the conscious decision to come back. Right. I feel like it's such a great way to highlight scarcity of time to orientating yourself to being like, well, if there's a scarcity of time, then like what is most important? So I love that. Yeah. And also just recognizing, um, this is going to sound like, I'm going to sound like a woo-woo spiritual bitch, but like time is conceptual, you know? Um, I don't want to be just like, uh, just time doesn't exist. Like um, we, we say there are two truths. There's a relative truth and an absolute truth. Absolute truth, time doesn't exist. We're all one spirit. We're all interconnected. We're all experiencing the world of law. Relative truth, you know, time passes. We get older. Racism exists. Homophobia exists. Sexism exists. Um, it's really just consciously orienting ourselves to whether or not we're letting the world control us or we're taking control of what we can control, which is ourselves. So one of the language things that my partner and I have been getting into the practice of doing for the past few months is no longer saying, I don't have time for that and no longer saying I don't have enough time. And instead saying, I am choosing not to commit my time and energy to that activity. And just making those conscious decisions are a really great way of just bringing mindfulness to your life. Mm. Can I ask you how, how did your spiritual journey begin? Like, was there a trigger or like, was it just a, you know, I just happened to hang out with lots of people who were into this stuff and it eventually piqued my curiosity and, you know, I started researching it. Trauma, baby. That's the whole thing. <laughs> the whole fucking deal is trauma. You know, I'm a person of color. I am a child of a commander in the U.S. Navy. My parents are both from the Philippines. I'm a third culture child. So there were a lot of implicit pressures to growing up in that environment that were very traumatic. Um, and so essentially growing up, healing is the journey of reparenting yourself and addressing inner child wounds. My parents are in no way bad people. Healing for me was getting to a place of understanding that like my parents were great, loving, nurturing. They wanted what was best for me and they traumatized me. It's holding space for both. And so my healing journey was always very mental. It was always very intellectual. It was, I'm going to go to a therapist. I'm going to get a psychiatrist. And it wasn't until, so I was, I was my partner's caregiver for three years and they had fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome, and POTS syndrome along with anxiety, depression, complex PTSD, PTSD. And the moment that we really started implementing spirituality was uh, when they attempted to take their own life. They almost lost the fight against suicide. And in the psych ward, a psychologist gave them a copy of The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. And it's this incredible book by this prolific spiritual teacher who is just telling us that like the presence is the only thing that exists and anchoring ourselves to the presence is the only way for us to really experience and feel profound happiness. It's like, if I don't know if you've ever gone to a music festival, if you're about that life, but it's like being at a play or a music festival or a musical or a sports game and you just are luxuriating in that experience. And you look around and everybody is like bobbing their head to the music at the same time. And everyone's just like, this is it. This is what life is all about. What they're really experiencing in that moment is presence. And so that was back in 2018. And that's what transformed this journey from mind-body to mind-body-spirit. 
And then I, um, my, my partner got well because we did this hard work of rewiring our brains. And so they no longer have these conditions that doctors told us for three years, we we're just gonna be stuck with for the rest of our lives. And seeing them rewire their brain through the merging of science and spirituality and feeling inspired to heal my own chronic mental health issues um, took us down that path. And my big wake up moment of like, I need to prioritize myself, my health, my healing was when I realized I'd been dealing with suicidal ideation for the past six months and my partner suggested we get a divorce. And it was in that moment that I could very profoundly see, and I say it's such a great privilege, I had the privilege of witnessing how my suffering was causing the suffering of those around me. And that became my non-negotiable. I needed to heal so that I was no longer actively causing harm. And for me, that's what the whole fucking thing is about, is recognizing. You can always tell how far somebody is on their healing journey by whether or not they're still talking about, you did this to me you did this to me, I'm, because of, I'm like this because of this situation, I'm like this because of this people. And then you can tell how much further they are along when it shifts to, fuck, who have I hurt in my life, honey? Who have I done harm to while I was in a survival state, while I was trying to protect myself? I have caused a lot of harm to a lot of people in my life. Forgiveness became such a profound practice, giving up the desire to punish myself, the giving up the desire to punish those who have harmed me, and recognizing ultimately that the world doesn't have good or bad people. It has, everyone is innately good and hurt people hurt people. So for me, my spiritual practice, my spiritual journey is recognizing that everyone's innately good and encouraging others to seek the behavioral changes so that they're living from that space. Mm, thank you so much for sharing all of that. But just for <laughs> the chronology in my mind to be um, to be straight, the your partner was going through all of that and then was gifted that book, The Power of Now, um, and then you saw transformational change in your partner. And then it was after all that that you started having that six month period of. Yeah, so I was doing the same I was doing the same work that they were doing, but I was kind of half-assing it. I was just like, "Oh, it's a thing. You know, they're doing it. I'm going to do it too just so solidarity, but I didn't feel like I deserved to heal." And mm -hmm. I simultaneously didn't feel like I was somebody who could heal. And that's true for a lot of people. Um Sometimes I get messaged by people who are just like, "It it doesn't feel right that you're talking about this stuff because obviously you haven't been through trauma." because you're talking about this in such a joyous way. And I'm like, no, it's because I've healed my trauma. It's because I'm no longer perceiving myself as victim to. But our relationship, my entire life's journey and life story has been this, and perhaps you understand too, as a, a fellow Asian person, it has been seeking external validation for my existence. I will get the corporate job and then finally my parents will be proud of me, which means I'll be proud of myself. If I take care of my partner and throw my all into being a caregiver, that must mean I'm a good person. If I have all of these hobbies, you know, I'm an actor, I'm a dancer, I'm a director, I have all this fucking shit I can do because I was constantly seeking something that would validate my existence. And none of it worked. And then when my partner fully recovered 100%, I'm telling you, no longer has fibromyalgia, no longer has chronic fatigue syndrome, no longer has complex PTSD, depression, anxiety, fully healed. I had no one to project onto my sense of feeling like a good person. And mm -hmm. I went through a six-month period of really 
facing my demons and saying really harmful, hurtful things to my partner, like things that I never would have said while they were sick, things like that involved blame, that involved my life is not where I want it to be, all these self-destructive things. And I had to orient myself inward. And I had to really take into account that just because I said those things doesn't mean I'm a bad person. But to not take personal accountability for my health would mean that I would continue causing harm. Oof, chills. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's just so cool. Not only the the transformational change that you highlight with the story, but also just the dedication that you two have for each other to for you to stick with your partner through three years of that, which is extreme, like just extreme. Oh um, fucking hell, and, honey. <laughs> yeah. Like, and then and then for them to suggest a divorce and you going through like the second phase situation. Um, but then you turning yourself around, not only for yourself, but for them. So cool. So very cool. <laughs> like, thank you. Truly, for oh, sure. Absolutely. It. And what about you? How is your kind of personal journey of self-care, of self-actualization? How does that look? And and how old are you? I need to remember. <laughs> I'm, tw- I'm 27, but you know, like after a certain point, you just like stop counting. So you're like... Yeah, it's just like it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah. So no, how's your kind of, how's your own personal journey gone to to lead you to have like this podcast and like explore this idea of getting to know people and connect and, you know, let's not be strangers type ideal i would say that completely 100 percent resonate with you on what you're doing in terms of just having this extreme awareness that there are people who are unaware and <laughs> being like that's so sad because i would say that i definitely fell in the category of unaware up until the point that i graduated from school but i would say that during school part of the reason why i was unaware was because my entire consciousness was just focused on academia because it was just like what society fed us and even though there was also a part of me that's always been very rebellious that was like does this really matter to me but like i don't have time to think about whether this matters to me or not because i just need to like keep studying and like make the grades you know get graduate get the diploma etc etc um that finally when i graduated i was just like oof i did what society told me to do and what do i you're on and you're unhappy and unsatisfied right you do the whole fucking gambit and you're like why am i not happy Oh, right. fucking real, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So then, like, I would say that I'm very grateful because I had that, like, that break. Post-graduation, I didn't, like, immediately jump into a corporate job or anything. I took, like, a gap year. And I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with my life, but obviously it's not continuing on with what people have told me to do. Because I, when I graduated, I thought to myself, because um, my life goal up to that point was to graduate, right? I graduated, and then I just thought, I guess I can die now, like, you know, like, <laughs> which is so is dumb, fun. right? This is fun. I'll die now, you know. Yeah, you know, because it's, it's just like, okay, like, you, you make goals, you achieve them, and then, like, I achieved my life goal at the age of 20, so I guess I'm good, right? Um, yeah, but fortunately, around that time, to me, me having that break 
but also being with a friend in particular who was super focused on self-healing. So she was um, who turned me on to journaling and she was always reading personal development books and, um, you know, trying to see therapists doing experimentations and like different lifestyle hacking just to just to see how she could heal her own trauma from her childhood and stuff and me observing her me thinking like oh I don't have anything super traumatic or specific in the way that she was working on um because she could identify like her traumas and um there was a divorce involved but I'm watching her making improvements emotionally um and mentally over time because we had like these like weekly calls and she was like this week I was journaling about this I was thinking about this and so I decided to try this I just kind of observed her and thought wow what could I, how could, what, what could I discover about myself or like improve about myself if I just start journaling? I mean, I don't have anything specific I'm working on, but let's just try it. Um, and that's kind of what started me along the path of like, let me turn inward. Let me see what I actually want from life and then center my life around, around like what I define as success as opposed to like what society defines as success, right? Um, What do you define as success? I think in this context, in terms of like my happiness, a lot of my happiness hinges on community and connection. And that's part of like the reason behind this podcast, because I think thanks to feeling very alienated for most of my life, and I'm sure you can relate, there are parallels in our stories being like Asian American as one of them. Another one that is sort of a parallel is me being aromantic. Generally speaking, most of my life growing up feeling very alienated from humanity because romance from what I could see and what is popularized through like pop culture and media is such a basic human emotion. Can you just imagine like what like a teenager must perceive themselves as if they're like, I cannot, this, I, I literally thought this to myself, I cannot experience this basic human emotion. I must not be human, you know, like, oh, no. you know, so like, so it's like Asian American experience. I don't belong anywhere culturally. I'm aromantic. So I'm, I'm not even human, like I'm alien. And then even within like what I applied myself to in terms of, you know, I studied math and science and that's like what my parents guided me towards. But I had a lot of like creative interests and then therefore also falling in between these two realms as well. Um, not feeling like I fit in with either because I wasn't allowed to like pursue my creativity to the same depth. But then like I'm good at math and science, but I'm not like super interested in it. Like, like you know, it's interesting, but I'm not super duper like hardcore interested. And so I think due to that extreme alienation growing up, that any sliver of connection that I could that I could find to validate like my existence, you know, someone else who was also Asian American and, and being able to share the solidarity of that experience and me just like holding on to that and being like, wow, maybe I'm not so alien because, you know, someone else can share my story or this part of my story, so on and so forth, that I understand how important it is for all of us to have that validation, to have that sense of community and belonging. And also because I understand that from like a biological um, aspect, how important 
community and connection is to our longevity. And so I guess that's sort of what I see as my like life work. What I can do for other people is making them aware of how important it is to feel connected because as we know the rise of like social isolation not solely through like the pandemic and like the actual physical isolation but also like through social media and all that stuff i would say that for me in terms of like purpose in life and success and like happiness is me helping others feel happy by making them feel like they belong because they can find other people that they that can like share some part of their story. It's being of service. Ultimately, that should be the orientation. I always tell people because there's a lot of what my teacher and I call sugar rush spiritualists in the space. And those are people who hear about absolute truth and they become just lost in the sauce of their healing practice. You know, it's just like, oh, love and light, but I don't fuck with Geminis. Like, who the fuck are you? Like, what? (laughs) Or people who see somebody who just went through an extremely traumatic experience, they're like, this was meant to happen for you. Like, can we not do that? Or people who say like, oh, we only live once, so I'm going to get wasted every weekend because this is the only life we have and it's self-care fuck you it's like no if like true self-care especially according to buddhist psychology is is care that orients you eventually inevitably even not even just not even just like it will maybe happen when you do the true self-care or do you do that true work with your inner world it orients you to community care it orients you to being a being of service. You just fucking spoke about like growing up, feeling like an alien, feeling socially isolated. And you did this self-care work, you did this inner work and boom, it oriented you. How do I connect with people? How do I help people feel connected? How do I help people cultivate community? That's how we know whether or not you're doing real self-work. Like, there you go. (laughs) You weren't just like, I'm gonna journal. I wanna be the next Kanye. Like, no, you're just like, I wanna go, I wanna help people more easily access their joy through community. I think that's beautiful. Thank you. I was actually super curious about your question on community care because I don't think I've ever seen or heard this term. I, I mean, conceptually, I can understand it from like the, the term community and care. And you place the question underneath, how do you practice self-care? So then, you know, I'm like, you know, connecting those dots. But what is community care? in your own words. Um, yeah. Funny you should mention, I'm leading a masterclass at the end of the month that's called Reclaiming um, Reclaiming Your Compassion, Empowering Our Community Care. And there's this trend that's been going on since Harambe died. I'm like entirely convinced that ever since that gorilla got shot, the world has just gotten shittier and shittier with every year of just compassion burnout. You know, like the Black Lives Matter movement, the increase of police brutality, the increase of violence against Asians and Asian Americans in light of the pandemic, the pandemic itself, global warming, all these things. It gets to the point now where people hear about something happening and they're apathetic or they're broken and they're exhausted. And I was in activism for about a decade. And I was in this state in my life where I would just wake up angry, eat, angry, watch a TV show, angry, take a shit, angry, just perpetually pissed off was my entire existence because I was a brown queer person in a country that fucking hated that I existed with a president that was telling people that I shouldn't exist with my own internalized like homophobia, racism, everything from just trauma growing up. And 
I would be like, I'm a good person because I'm bitching at people on Facebook. I'm a good person because I'm going to these protests. I'm a good person because I'm doing all this shit. And it wasn't saying I'm a good person, so I do that. It was I'm a good person because I'm doing this, because I'm better. I'm a better person than these people are. All of my community care, all of my compassion was being fueled by rage and guilt and fear. I need to work towards making this world a better place because otherwise we're not going to make it. I need to work against these broken fucking systems because I'm so angry that all these people are being hurt and that anger is going to fuel me, especially growing up Asian American. You know, we were raised the silent majority. I was raised culturally to never speak up, to never stand up for myself, to not say anything. And so to finally have access to that rage was fucking intoxicating. And so for 10 years, my mental health deteriorated as I kept fighting. And I was so tired of fighting. It was not serving me. And so in Buddhism, we, we describe how compassion ultimately, when compassion is done right, it's compassion paired with wisdom. Compassion burnout doesn't exist in Buddhism. Your compassion should fill you up. It should just fill you with light. There's this concept, it's Tonglen, it's breathe in, Suffering, breathe out antidote. Breathe in poison, breathe out antidote. Part of why we struggle so much with community care is because when you hear someone is struggling, it stops being about them. We're not present with them because we've all been traumatized. So if you were to come to me and tell me some shit like, oh, this happened, like, I'm not saying, I hope none of this has ever happened to you, but like somebody attacked you for being Asian, right? My old brain, would have been like, oh man, that really sucks. I'm Asian too. What does that mean about me? Am I going to get attacked? Oh, this is happening because of Donald Trump. Fuck them, fuck this, fuck that, da da da. And I'd be constricted and angry. I'm no longer in that moment holding space for you sharing an experience that you've had. I've made it all about me, even though vocally I'm like, that's really hard. I'm here for you. But internally, not even consciously thinking about it, my brain is processing all the things of like, how can I survive? That's not community care. That is that is egotistical, limbic system-fueled fear. Now, if you were to share something like that with me, I would just listen. There would be no internal monologue that I'd be entertaining. My brain might do it. It might be like, ooh, I'm Asian. But I would anger myself back to presence. I would listen as you tell me about this horrible thing that has occurred for you. I would offer support where I can. I wouldn't try to fix you. We have such a, especially as millennials, we're such fixers. Let me fix you. I end up in toxic relationships because I can fix them. I just want to fix, 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 fix. There's this thing I tell my clients, and it's really edgy. No one's going to save you. And ultimately what I'm speaking of when I say that is that we, we can go to all the self-help books we want, we can go to all the gurus and teachers we want, we can go to all the therapists we want, but until we are prepared to actualize our healing journey, we will not heal. No one will save you. Nobody is coming to save you. You can save yourself. This mantra I give my clients, which I guess all your listeners will get for free, right, is I'm the only one who can save myself. I choose to save myself. I deserve to be saved. It's a three-step process. It's acknowledging that you are the one who's ultimately responsible for your wellness, making the conscious decision every day to heal, and recognizing that you're deserving of that.
this no matter like Backstreet Boys, no matter who you are, where you've been, what you did, as long as you fucking love yourself. I'm changing the lyrics a little bit. And so when I think about community care, it's when we're able to hold those parts of ourselves. Because at the end of the day, anytime we're harming somebody, it's our inner child's calling for love. It's calling for help. When we're acting out of fear, it's because we love ourselves and we don't want to die. When we're acting out of doubt, it's because we love ourselves and we don't want ourselves to fail. And so community care is being able to access those parts of ourselves that have been wounded and hurt recognizing that they're automatically rooted, they're ultimately rooted in love and just like fucked up through fear and then looking out and seeing how can i help others feel better and it doesn't have to be like start a podcast it doesn't even have to be it doesn't even have to be like start a nonprofit but we have we have more time than we think we do we have more finance. We have more financially than we think we do. People who are able to have these conversations, like we are, we're very privileged. We're not in a state of survival mode for just like food, water, and shelter. But we've convinced ourselves we don't have enough time to be giving. We don't have enough time to be nurturing. We don't have enough time to be supportive. Community care doesn't have to be like this event I'm doing at the end of the month. I'm raising money for the Philippines. They got destroyed by Super Typhoon Rai, over 7 million people impacted. It doesn't have to be that. Community care could be just as simple as make eye contact with your cashier. Like when you check out somewhere, look at them like they're a real person. There's a big unhoused population where I live in Philadelphia. Over the summer, I get to know the names of every single unhoused person in my neighborhood and in the places I go to. And I, and I talk to them and I treat them like humans and I keep granola bars on me to give them food to help make sure that they are being supported in a way that I have the capacity to give. Community care is taking ourselves out of our own heads about things and seeking and choosing in a way that fulfills us a way to serve others. There's this concept in Buddhism called the bodhisattva. And at the esoteric spiritual level, it's somebody who makes the commitment not to go into nirvana and to reincarnate until all beings are free. So they keep reincarnating over and over and over again, coming back as a spiritual teacher and serving people. That's really fucking woo-woo. So pragmatic, relative level, it's the conscious commitment you make to be loving, compassionate, and nurturing every moment of every day with every single person you meet and see in the world, including yourself. People here like J. Mark Spiritual, they never get mad. Honey, I'm a crunchy bitch all the time. Oh my God. I have like a snoring thing that my partner and I are working through and we have a friend staying over. So I have to like sleep on the couch so I don't keep my partner awake because they're a med student. And I was such a bitch about it because I got really cranky and I was like, I just want to like lay in bed with you. But like, it's a thing and they're a med student. So community care is holding space for myself to be like, okay, I'm upset, apologizing for being a bitch, and then also being of service to somebody who's going to go be a doctor and like help even more people. Community care can be just as simple as you show kindness to one person, and then years later, they're like, hey, thanks. I didn't kill myself because of that kindness you showed me. Because we don't know what other people are going through. We, every day, we are walking by people in the middle of their movies every single day. Yes. Yes. I love how you like put in the, the the actionable step of like, just look at your grocery store clerk in the eyes. Um, and, that, and it could be as simple as that because yeah, just acknowledging someone else through eye contact, I think is a great way to 
to make connection, even if it's like very transient, even if it's like very casual, um, not too deep, but you are doing someone else good. Yeah. Like, like the idea is to orient yourself to a state where you're being of service and being kind and being loving. But if people are still in their egos about it, you can really mess with them and be like, hey, every single person you meet is immediately going to have an impression of you. There are doppelgangers of you living in people's heads every day. Every time you walk by somebody, their brain came up with an entire story about you. So... How many people do you want to perceive you as a piece of shit? <laughs> like, we can take it from that direction. Just like, <laughs> man, no, I would love it if just people I'm, like, um, I get in, some of my friends don't like walking places with me because I get in full-on conversations with people just randomly. But, you know, I can say that they felt seen that day. And I can say that I got to meet somebody cool that day. I may never see them again, and that's okay. But we had a moment, and I think that's yeah. really lovely. That's beautiful. The other thing I wanted to point out about you um, describing community care is I love that you also pulled in the the factor that like that includes yourself. Like you should include 100%. yourself in the community care because you are also part of the community. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we can't we cannot successfully help others unless we help ourselves. My partner and I have a thing we remind each other of all the time, especially after we healed our collective traumas and our chronic mental and physical health conditions. We say to each other individually, my health is my number one priority. It has to be. So before our relationship, it's our health. Before our cats, it's our health. If we, if and when we have kids, before our kids, it's our health. And this isn't in a selfish way. Like acute things will happen. If my kid falls down the stairs and breaks a leg, I'm not going to be like, mm, daddy's got to meditate. I don't. I gotta, this is stressing me out. No, you fucking take care of the kid. But then you also find those steps to be like, oh, I gotta, t I gotta do something for me. I have to cry out the stress of seeing my kid experience this traumatic experience and taking them to the hospital. It's being able to set boundaries, um, especially because a lot of us, like, I feel like for a lot of people who would be drawn to your podcast are the kinds of people who are the ones that carry the the burden of the world on their shoulders and their friends they're the friend that people come to the vent and then and then they post on facebook about how they feel like no one's there for them and so for those listening who that identifies with honey i've been that bitch it's okay you can be your own best friend period be choose to be your own best friend if you feel like nobody is there for you if you feel like no one's supporting you support yourself because if we keep seeking externally for others to do it for us. And this is where it gets interesting. Spiritual work is very paradoxical, right? If we lived in a world where everybody prioritized their personal well-being, and I'm not being Ayn Rand objectivist about this. I'm not being a libertarian about this. I'm being very specifically like health and personal well-being. Not like if I just focus on getting rich, my life will be good. No, I mean like fulfilling shit, right? If we live in a world where everyone oriented them themselves to that, then everybody would naturally care about community. So it no longer becomes, I need to take care of this people because nobody's taking care of me. It's, I take care of these people because I take care of myself. I have the abundance to give. And as a natural result of that, you become magnetic. People are drawn to you. People want to talk to you. People want to support your dreams and passions. I had so many different fucking projects over the years. It wasn't until I started like really exploring healing that I've had more people in my life than ever before message me and been like, hey, I've been watching your journey on Facebook. You're so fucking inspiring. 
You've gotten me to consider my own health journey. Thank you so much. That's it. And any other project I've ever done, people didn't want to fucking hear about what I was doing. <laughs> they didn't give a shit because I was so desperately trying to get validated. But the minute I validated myself, it became – I didn't – like them saying that is great, but it doesn't impact my sense of self. It's like I appreciate it, but whether, regardless of whether people speak on my success or not, doesn't impact how much I love myself. And so I have abundance to give and share. You literally took the words out of my mouth for your own question for what do you think <laughs> what do you think are the necessary steps to making the world a better I place? I had that on there. <laughs> and my answer is exactly the same, but you need to take care of yourself first, not because it's selfish, but because when you are well, you're naturally going to want to extend that wellness because like, why wouldn't you? We're all wired to like connect with people and help people. And if you already have an abundance, what are you going to do with that abundance? Just like isolate yourself and like sit in your house with abundance. And like, if you do that, you're think. arguably not well. Yeah. That's all it is yeah. to it. Jeff Bezos, oh my God, richest man on earth, right? I want to sit in a room with him. I want him to fucking hire me so I can say, honey, happy people don't build penis rockets. I'm sorry, they just don't. Like, that's not how this works. Happy people don't exploit employees and make them feel miserable. They just don't. Hurt people hurt people, heal people heal people. And it doesn't have to be, like, you don't have to become motherfucking Mother Teresa. But when you show up and your nervous system is calm, other people respond to that. Other people feel safe with you. And it doesn't even mean they feel safe to trauma dump. It's like they just feel safe to exist. And it's mm -hmm. a beautiful world that we could live in. <laughs> okay, wait. So I want to ask you, what does your check engine like light look like? Like what are the what are the signs that you're off your game? I get very clumsy and I am perpetually plugged in. So my 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 signs that I'm off my game are uh, through through being clumsy, it means I'm not present. It means that there's something going on in my brain. And then the other thing is if I'm just like have an earbud in and I have a TV show on or a podcast on and I just have it on to have it on, it tells me that I am running away from something that I don't want to be feeling in this moment. So my check engine light is that. <laughs> yeah. Wait, how quickly do you catch yourself? before like like noticing that you're clumsy or like that you're just having these things turned on to consume clumsiness is usually the day of um because i'll, I'll just be like i need to lay back in bed because i just like there, it happened to me the other day i like dent like i fucked up my car like twice in one day like just dented the the front bumper and like got scratches all over it and it's a brand new prius like i just bought it last summer um, and I was like, oh, well, this is great. <laughs> and so I was just very aware of how not present I was. Um, in terms of the plugged in thing, usually my partner points it out. It's just like, you okay? You've been plugged in like a lot today. And I'm like, oh yeah, I should probably check in what I'm trying to escape from. But I'm human. So sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I know. I'm just gonna keep doing it though. Like it's <laughs> holding space for those very human responses, right? Like sometimes, it happens. Like sometimes I wake up and I don't want to meditate because I know something's going to come up that I don't want to deal with. But 
you do the damn thing. <laughs> it's just a conscious, consistent decision. Everyone has this, such a vision of spiritual people, um, like like gurus, and it's like, oh, they don't have human feelings. No, they just know how to navigate their human feelings in a way that's very graceful. That's all it is. Right. I have to ask you the question that I ask everyone, which is, how do you define a stranger, and at what point do they transition from being one to not being one? That moment in which we have that, like, our eyes connect and we talk. That That is what it is for me. So a stranger would just be someone that you ha- haven't been able to do that with? Yeah. So if I'm just walking, like, in a grocery store and I don't talk to anybody there, like, I might make eye contact with some people. All right, they're all strangers. But that moment when I'm able to just be like, hey, how are you doing? And have a genuine touching conversation with them. They're not a stranger anymore. They may not be an acquaintance or a friend. But from that point onward, they are a person that I have met and connected with beyond just walking by them listlessly like a zombie. That's what I would say is take somebody from stranger to not a stranger (laughs) in that specific context of this question. Right. And then you mentioned that um, making eye contact and having a touching conversation. Can you clarify what constitutes a touching? Not even touching, just genuine. Just just the conversation where where it's not just polite, auto, uh, like an automatic polite response. It's walking up to somebody and saying, how are you? And genuinely wanting to know how they're doing and them feeling comfortable in my demeanor and the way that I approach them to be honest if they're having a shitty day be upfront instead of just the usual oh I'm fine because you can tell energetically when you're more connected to self you can tell energetically when somebody isn't um and you can get really spiritual and woo about it honestly for me it's just like oh that's familiar (laughs) I've been there (laughs) sometimes I, I have some clients I work with who are very not connected inwardly where when I talk to them it feels like I'm talking to a wall even though they're trying their best, but there's a lot of filters. There's a lot of stuff blocking their way. Um, we're, I'm not strangers with them, but it takes a little bit more digging to talk. And so that that's it for me. Am I am I walking by somebody? Am I buying a ticket to a show, to like a theatrical production and a movie? And it's just like, all right, ticket, thanks, bye. That's still a stranger. We did a transaction, and that was it. Or I'm just like, oh hey, I really like your T-shirt. Oh, that's really really nice. No, I love that show. A little bit more, a little bit something more that shows that, hey, we are human beings having a discussion and connecting. That, for me, is what takes a stranger to not a stranger. So it doesn't have to be super intimate. It doesn't, I don't have to walk up to somebody and be like, so, are we in the Matrix? <laughs> what do you think of those flat earthers? Like, it doesn't have to be like that. Um, do aliens exist? No, it doesn't have to be like that at all. It's just really making somebody feel like by them existing, it made the world a little bit better. Can you say that again? <laughs> it's it's being able to connect with someone and incur- inspiring within the feeling that by them just simply by existing, the world's a little bit better. I love that concept. I love that idea so much. What are your hopes for this? What are you? What direction are you kind of hoping to take this into? And like, how do you perceive growing it? I know you're doing your uh, your pen pals thing, which. Um, Fully upfront, I do not have the time to do it, but I love that you're doing it. I think it's beautiful. 
Thank you. Yeah, no worries. Um, with like anyone wanting to join the Pen Pals Club, not join the Pen Pals Club, I only want people who can commit time to it so that no one is left with like a, a you know, a pen pal that is not responding. Um, so yeah, no worries whatsoever. But in terms of my hopes with this podcast, I don't have specific goals with it just because I started this as a social experiment. Um, years ago, I used to do YouTube and it was more like travel vlogs and fashion vlogs, so nothing serious or deep. But it was during those moments when I was just sharing my life and sharing myself and having conversations, just the normal conversations I have with my friends, because I think I make interesting friends and therefore we have interesting conversations. Always thinking, dang, I wish my camera was running so that like, so that I could capture parts of these conversations so that they could be shared so that other people can, you know, learn from this or connect with this, whatever we're saying. And it was kind of this lingering desire from my YouTube days where I'm just like, I would love to share interesting conversations I have with people, but in a format that's not visual. I think this is easier than like YouTube just because when I bring in a visual element and me having like a creative artistic background, I want to overcomplicate the project because then, then there's just a lot more to it than just like voice and sound. Then it's like, uh, do I have makeup on? Like, what outfit am I wearing? What does the background look like? Is You know, like, there's just so many things. It's just so difficult. So that's actually why I never wanted to start a vlog channel. I didn't want to get my caught up in my head about like, oh, this conversation is great. I wish I had my camera. Like, I, I know that my old brain would have been like that. And that's why I was very consciously like, I'm not going to do a vlog because that is that's down a dark, dark pathway. <laughs> I can understand. I can understand completely. Um, but yeah, so yeah, just starting the podcast just because I've always had this dream of like, yeah, I want to share interesting conversations I've had. I want to meet strangers um, because I feel like there's something to be learned from everyone. I want to have the power to connect people. So that means the more people I know, then the more useful I am in terms of connecting people. Um, like if in the future I meet someone who's like, I really need help with spiritual work. Like I would think, well, I know a <laughs> person, you know, like you, I'll get you two connected. And like whether it turns out or not, that's not really like my problem like whether you guys vibe or not uh, um, but at least I can help make the connection in my dream dream world this would get big enough where I can host like live events that would be free so like I could like fly people in because <laughs> like there would just be the budget for it or whatever like there would be sponsorship for this and I don't even really know what we would do in such an event but hey there's no better way to connect with people than like in person, right? So like, so yeah. so how can I support you? Um, I mean, immediately just with like sharing this podcast, which like I think we've agreed that you will do for at least your episode and stuff like that. Um, but Can you could share, also I've been sharing your other posts too. Okay, thank you very much. <laughs> I haven't just been like, oh, I'm just gonna share stuff about me. Like, I'm not that bitch. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm just thinking off the head, like on my head, like how can you immediately help me? And or if you have any interesting friends who you think would be a good fit for like the, this topic or something. Um, I do. I have a lot. Are you specifically looking to work with Asian Americans and Asian people or anyone? 
just anyone yeah like, i got I just, hella people but what about you what are some of your dreams career moves like what is next big life step for you i just had my last day at my day job yesterday so i am 100 fully a transformational life coach as my full-time career amazing yeah but what was your <laughs> what was your day job i was an admissions counselor for an ed tech company so okay. we partnered with like Yale and Harvard and universities around the country um, to help them build their online programs. And then I was in charge of recruitment for one of those programs. It was a corporate nine to five job. It had health insurance. Um, speaking of being human, you know, I put in the two weeks and I was like, I feel great. And then I screamed. <laughs> it was a good time. Um, it's just working through a lot of stuff. Yeah. So for me, next steps, I mean, this year, speaking of connection, I am looking to connect with conscious spaces and I'm looking to have the opportunity to go to places physically and lead wellness workshops and connect with others who would be interested in one-on-one -on -one coaching. Like for me, my whole vibe is just being of service. That's all I want to do is be able to show up honoring my own personal wellness. And that's that's number one on my like list of everything. And then taking the abundance I gained from that to be of service, to fly out to really interesting places and lead workshops and retreats. So literally, if you know anybody who is looking for teachers for their retreat who are hiring, because um, I honor and respect myself and this is a financial thing, um, like let me know, or even if they just want to talk or if they're doing a really cool nonprofit and want somebody to come lead a workshop for it, um, I'd be grateful. And then, like you said, if you meet anybody who's looking for specific, like, transformational life coaching involving trauma healing, I have a 100% satisfaction rate with my clients. So that's been great. <laughs> Everyone I've worked with has wrote, written super glowing reviews. Um, and that's where most of my income comes from, is is the one-on-one -on -one coaching. And then uh, the next thing, I don't. When is this episode going live? Is it going live this month? I don't know. <laughs> like I've been, I was pretty on top of like editing per week, like, um, but but then food poisoning, and then I'm also going to be traveling, so as soon as possible. But uh, <laughs> I can't guarantee. The real it. thing, I guess, for anybody who's listening, and then um, I, I believe you have a link to my website. Is I'm going to be hosting a masterclass in like different aspects of wellness once a month, um, and that will be like. Uh, the first one is going to be $25 because it's for charity and I'm raising money and donating 100% of the proceeds for the victims of Super Typhoon Rai in the Philippines. And the other ones will be $25 to $40. Uh, different aspects of wellness, spirituality, all rooted in Buddhism, but merging neuroscience because I am not big on just telling somebody meditate and you'll feel better. I'm like, here is the scientific research backing why it can help support your healing journey. And so anyone interested in that, I would adore and appreciate support and getting the word spread about those. I'm going to be launching an online community sometime this year called the Authenticity Academy um, for people who are looking to connect with other people who are doing self-healing work and want to be in a community of people who are doing the work but are not like sugar rush spiritualists about it who like recognize that it's hard work and it involves cultivating our compassion and self-care orienting to community care all that good stuff i've already signed up for j mark's masterclass, so if anything that we've touched on piqued your interest i'd highly recommend checking out their instagram page at j e m a r c a x i n t o if you miss this month's masterclass. 
As they mentioned, there will be more in the future to come. And as J. Mark said, if you know of anyone holding wellness retreats or conscious spaces that are looking to hire a teacher and guide, J. Mark's looking to plug in with the community. So please reach out and make the connection. Speaking of communities, if you want to participate in our Pen Pals Club and connect deeper within our own community, information for all that can be found on Instagram at Don't Be Strangers. Voice vlogs entry number four. Today is Thursday, February 17th, 2022, and I leave for Oaxaca in two days for vacation for a week. The weather here in Mexico is slowly warming up, which is, well, such a blessing because February is normally the coldest month in Dallas. And if there's anything that you'd learn about me, is that I'd rather die of heat any day than have to bear the cold. The tree outside my window is blossoming beautifully with these deep lavender florals and I'm so grateful for the 1.5 hour of direct sunlight I get through my window every morning between the hours of 10.30am and noon. It makes the inner cat slash plant inside of me very happy. I'm really excited to go shopping because the thrifting scene here in Mexico City has been a little bit of a disappointment in terms of finding good solid secondhand shops. Everything is quote unquote vintage and way pricier than the thrift shops back in Dallas. So I've been saving my shopping for my visit to Oaxaca, which from my first and last visit, I had great luck in finding cute clothes for very cheap. Um, but just this week, I did actually find some place with decently priced secondhand clothes and a good selection and cute accessories. I'm already planning a clothes swap here in Mexico where I can donate out some of my old clothes that I brought with me so that I have space in my luggage to take my new clothes back home to Dallas. And in Dallas, I actually have a bag of clothes ready for another clothes swap, which I plan to host when I return so that I can catch up with all my friends and also just keep my closet minimal for all my upcoming travels. Speaking of which, I'm loosely thinking of Peru, end of May going into June, and tacking on a short trip to the Bay Area like right before, so thinking like mid-May, um, to visit some friends there. So if you happen to be based in Peru or in the Bay Area, please feel free to reach out. I would love to meet up for coffee. Until next time, don't be a stranger.